slowly walk through frame as your only appearance in the movie. It's time for Pod Cusack. It's Cusack, baby. It's Cusack, baby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pod Cusack, the internet's only podcast dedicated to and explicitly for Hollywood's most medium actor, John Cusack. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Strickland. And oh, man, do we have a guest for you today. Uh, the star of stage and screen. We've been circling each other schedule-wise to get her on the pod for a long time. Finally, she's here, Rika Shankar. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's truly a pleasure to see you. Let's get into it. John Cusack, you know, you're in the biz. Sure. So you must have an opinion on this giant of, yeah. of stage and screen what is are you a fan of john cusack as an actor i am I, I was actually surprised you called him a medium actor i'm like i think he's i think he's well regarded i think he's not like um people don't think of him as like uh, philip seymour hoffman necessarily but he's i think people love him i think he's like everybody's boyfriend mm-hmm. i guess i'm i had a friend in high school who's legitimately obsessed with him all like her screen names and stuff were John Cusack based. So I only grew up knowing that he was beloved, I think. Wow, do you remember any of the screen, screen names? I really don't. And I actually am proud of myself, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I think that's good and healthy. <laughs> that is healthy, that's like, that's good space. That's good bandwidth yeah, in your brain. Yeah, reserve that for all the other useful things <laughs> in my brain. Do you remember your AIM screen name? Of course. And? I had like 10. One of them was, um, God. One of them was Moose and Amal, because I thought it was funny that Amal backwards was llama, psychotic. <laughs> one of them was, when I was feeling really, really depressed, one of them was like Cast in Shadows 8. Wow. That yeah, was moody. Really, moody. Moody. I think one of them, oh, one of them was Rakes with Rakes. Good. So I like it was that like R E R A K E S with R E. You should save that one for your coffee table book on Rakes. You think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you remember your screen name? I only, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, one was NoFX371 because I liked that band. Um, Okay. My very first first AIM, which was like pretty embarrassing, was I am the number four, all to number two, NV. I am for all to NV and then three because someone already had that. (laughs) I thought it was really, uh, really clever. And if you knew me in middle school, you would just be like, wait, you didn't have any confidence. What is this? And it's, yeah. But you wanted people to But I wanted, yeah. Yeah. Or Nevada, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was really into, you know, I always thought that the Nevada caucus was where the Democratic primary really, you know, takes shape. Yeah. Yeah, through Iowa, through New Hampshire, yeah. this is sort of like yeah. yeah. Nevada's where people show their real colors. Uh, so I really, yeah, yeah. I really, you know, I was a political kid. What can I say? Um, yeah. Wait. So back to Cusack. Uh, yeah. So you like him as an actor? Do you have favorite films? Okay, so that's a great question because, as you know, I've never seen a movie. Yeah. So I'm on I'm on his Wikipedia right now to be like, what have I seen with him? And if I were to just go through, I've seen 16 Candles, didn't remember he was in it. Small part. I've seen, yeah, I've seen Stand By Me, had no clue he was in that. Seen, uh, I've seen parts of Say Anything. I know that's a classic one I yeah, should have yeah, seen. Yeah. I've seen, 
Um, I did fall asleep, not because of the movie, but because I was sleepy during gross point playing. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen being John Malkovich. Didn't remember him being in that. I've seen wow. parts of high fidelity. Yeah. Psychotic. I see parts of high fidelity. <laughs> I seen serendipity and I like that. Okay. Um, and I had seen adaptation before. Didn't remember him being in it. That makes more um, sense. Cause he's barely in it. He's barely in it. Um, what else is on here? Uh, okay, none of these other things. Oh my god, he was in Frasier? I did Actually, not know that. I think I remember that. And then, <laughs> yeah, so you could say I'm a huge fan. Yeah, huge fan. So you've seen parts of Say Anything in Gross Point Blank. Um, yeah, so it makes sense that you would regard him so highly. But let's get into the movie we're talking about today, which is, of course, adaptation which, uh, you know, as I sort of intimated in the cold open, John Cusack is barely in. It's it's good that you chose this movie um, for this John Cusack podcast, a movie I added to the list sort of as a goof. So I'll tell you why I chose it. Okay, so I'm taking a feature rating class right now. And for the thing I'm writing, someone was like, oh, you should check out Adaptation. And I saw Adaptation in college, but it had been a while. And I vaguely remembered the plot and I remembered the ties to the Orchid Thief. I remember Nicolas Cage, I remember... Mel Streep, but I didn't remember John Cusack in it, nor did I think of that when someone in my feature class told me to watch it. I started watching it. You know me, Matt. I can't watch a movie. So I stopped about, I don't know, an hour in. I was like, I'll pick this up later. Then you texted and you're like, do you want to be on Pod Cusack? You sent me the list. I saw adaptation. I was like, oh my God, I'm already halfway done with this. And so then I finished watching it today and I was like, where is John Cusack in this movie? I had already blazed past him i didn't realize he was in the being john malkovich scene up at the mm -hmm. top basically when you're like seeing charlie kaufman just like at work um so i had i blazed through and honestly even if you google i was like let me get a visual at least i googled john cusack adaptation you don't find anything you don't find a picture of that it's so mm -hmm. brief maybe it didn't even add up to 24 frames it's a wordless <laughs> performance and he's sort of walking and one might even say his sort of back is to yeah. camera for it, the majority it of his, makes you his wonder why did they get him like why'd they pay the john cusack rate to get him and not just get john malkovich and, and be done with it for that scene i would assume he worked like for that you know sag extra you think scale you think he worked like this yeah I think so. I think they all, I think Catherine Keener and, and Malkovich himself, I think they all, this was like a favor because they were all in being John Malkovich. They probably love Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones who directed this movie. I'm sure they were just like, oh, this is a great script. Yeah, Was we'll Catherine pop in. Keener an you under know? five in this movie? Oh, oh an under goodness. five is like when an actor is given five or less lines so they're paid like a certain rate. The moment they get more, they get like a regular Oh, she was certainly, yeah. She has one line. She has like, oh, we love you, Donald. and Or like Charlie or something. She, that's it. She was oh, an under boy. five for sure. And the, and and maybe Malkovich that's was really too. Insane. And actually that Malkovich video, it seems like it, it might even have been taken from like the actual filming of yeah. John Malkovich. Yeah. Um, and they might've just like digitally put it in a cage. It felt like it. Which I hope it is, because I hope that is how Malkovich behaves. But let's we'll get yeah. to that when we get to that. Um, let's go through. All right, first of all, broad yeah. strokes. Let's do some stats yeah. on the movie. Adaptation, two thousand two. Um, it made thirty two million dollars on a nineteen 
million dollar budget so modest hit but you know this is the kind of movie that studios make for awards not for 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 cash uh rotten tomatoes 91 percent, pretty good uh although the people score is only you know they have the critic score and the people score the people score is only 85 percent, so still very fresh but sense. not quite as effusive yeah, yeah. Especially for if you're like a fan of Nick Cage, like action movie, crazy, whatever, and then you get like, oh, this is. And like this movie's movie. like pretty meta about the screenwriting industry. Uh, so I can see like yes. somebody's like dad being like, what? <laughs> you need to know so much about who yeah. the real people are to like get half the jokes. Like the entire second half of the movie is like one big joke that like I think falls flat. Yeah. Like, and what would you that joke know, like, be if, like, deal. say, uh, you didn't know? Uh, well, we'll get okay, there when we go cool. into the plot. I'm, I'm probably sure, going to get the joke. I'm uh, just talking about for other people. I'm sure you yeah. do. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so on one last stat, the Cusack number of this movie is one. Of course, as you guys know, there are many Cusacks. There's John, there's Joan, but there's also Anne, Dick, Bill, Susie. Lots of Cusacks running all over Hollywood. But unfortunately, the Cusack number of this movie is only one. One Cusack appears. That would be our boy. I think Joan's John. incredible. Um, she's great. Not Joan? in that because she's not in that. All right, let's get into this yeah. film adaptation. Broad thoughts. You like this movie? Yeah, I thought. Here's what I'll say. Uh, not totally for me. It's like really weird. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty weird <laughs> fucking movie. I think it's really cool. I honestly think I could have done a lot less of Nick Cage. Um, have, I know this is the point, but having writer's block alone in his room and like weird, right. like sad boy fantasies. Yeah. I don't need that. I think that the concept is cool. Yeah. This guy writing a screenplay that basically is happening as he's writing it kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. that's really cool. Didn't need a lot of what happened in the beginning of him. I remember loving this movie and then I rewatched it again and I was just like, oh man, this movie's so good. It's so funny and <laughs> weird. And all right, so for people who haven't seen it, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast, but stick around. It's it maybe possibly going to be better than the movie adaptation anyway. Um, so for people who don't know, basically Charlie Kaufman real life person, the writer of Being John Malkovich, was hired to adapt the book The Orchid Thief mm -hmm. by Susan Orlean and had writer's block, couldn't figure out how to adapt it. It's sort of like a formless book from, you know, Susan Orlean, who's this like New Yorker writer. Um, it doesn't have like a, a narrative per se. He has a really hard time adapting it. So he starts writing himself into the screenplay. So it's like half an adaptation of this book and half about him trying to adapt the book. And that script is adaptation yes. that we watch. That's the movie. So it's all very meta. And so like, if you just go see this movie and you don't know who Charlie Kaufman is, this movie might be very confusing. Yes, and I would argue I know who Charlie Kaufman is and I still think it's a little confusing. I think like it makes sense that like answers a lot of the things you get confused about for like the first 50% of the movie or whatever. But it's like, if you were to ask me to explain it, which I bet we will be doing, I'm like, uh, <laughs> 
it's it's also a movie like you said that I don't know if you would really un- enjoy if you had if you didn't like love movies and no totally. if you're a casual movie fan you're like what is this and like I think I might enjoy it even more if I had read The Orchid Thief which I, I haven't okay, read this made me want to read The Orchid Thief but I'm wondering I'm like well the movie's lesson was also sort of that that book was not. Um, something he was easily able to adapt and that his things that he added were way more interesting yeah so I'm like do I want to read (laughs) kind of a kind of a dig at Susan Arlene a little bit yeah or just you know you know so art forms are different right you know some things are only some things are meant to be a book absolutely some things are meant to be a podcast pod cusack the movie you know it might not work it might not it might though but it might, it might be- it's also leave that room for that it might it might be yeah. phenomenal <laughs> um and yeah like you said you sort of mentioned it that's like the big joke that i was referencing of the movie is uh-huh. so like the beginning he is okay so the, this is the beginning of the movie nick cage it's it's nick cage voiceover um it's like the voiceover of like what we all sort of think i think a lot of us anyway every day it's just like oh i'm so terrible oh this is the worst uh and um that I think you were sort of intimating earlier too is like that it's it's hard to live in his head for the whole movie because at a certain point you're like okay like I know this like but we don't need to like yes at a certain point I'm like I don't really want to hear more of the perspective of like a sad screenwriter who wants to like fuck all these women that he hates also a sad, very successful screen. Yeah, that too. Like, you're doing fine. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I also loved the beginning, uh, like the opening credits. So it's like this voiceover played over opening credits. And I like that, number one, they do say based on the Orchid Thief, even yeah. though it's like barely. It's uh, it's more like featuring the Orchid Thief. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it is like adaptation featuring the Orchid Thief. Um, what a cool song, yeah. Yeah, which we will play that song at the end. That'll yeah. be our outgoing music. Um, and I also liked that the screenplay is credited to both Charlie Kaufman and Donald, Donald Kaufman, Kaufman, which is like another thing that like that's sort of a joke that like would land flat if you didn't know that like Donald Kaufman does not exist. Like he is a fake character that the real Charlie Kaufman made up to put in this movie to be his like foil. Yes. It's something that like you can't, nobody else can do this again. It's like so meta. Uh, it, it points at almost years on like hacky. Like when you see like an improv scene that's like referencing being an improv scene, you're like, Okay. Yeah. You see that once and you laugh and then you're like, okay, again, like, yeah, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. No, 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 no. I, 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 I agree. I mean, I really like this movie, but yeah. I do agree. And like, you know, on the nose sort of in, in, you know, towards the end of the movie, very on the nose, they reference Ouroboros, which is like exactly what this movie is. It's very much just like a snake eating his own tail and just like, mm-hmm. lo- like a man peering into his own butthole. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically he the opening real opening scene is him meeting with Tilda Swinton, who's sort of a, a Hollywood exec. Yes. 
and she's like, we love you. We want you to adapt this book. And then he is saying all the things he doesn't want to do in the script, which is like, this is what I was referencing as the big joke of the movie. He's just like, I don't want it to be, you know, have like devolve into an action scene or I don't want anyone to find love and lose love or I don't want anyone to learn anything. I don't want drugs. I don't want murder. I don't want sex and whatever. And then like, that is like exactly what, spoiler alert, happens in the end of this movie. Absolutely. Um, okay, yes. Okay, thank God I got the character. <laughs> yes, yes. Or that's what I, you know, that's what I was referencing yeah. anyway. Halfway through the second half of this movie sort of goes into like a Hollywood, full of just Hollywood cliches that the first half of the movie is like railing against sort of. Yes. Um, we meet Meryl Streep, who is playing Susan Orlean, who's, you know, this New Yorker writer. And so it's sort of most of the movie from for the first half until these sort of narratives meet is like Nick Cage trying to adapt the book and then Meryl Streep playing Susan Orlean trying to like, and it's like the actual adaptation of her book. It is like scenes from her book, presumably. Like at a certain point, it does go into this fantasy world which like the real life when she first read the script the real life susan or was like i don't i don't want to do this this is like gonna make me seem like a crazy person or a fool or bad at my job blah 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 because it's like it is the real story and then like like we said it takes that like left turn into sort of hollywood crazy totally. town um but yeah so but but for the most part the beginning is like jumping back and forth between these two narratives um i also learned that this is the second book the second piece of writing adapted from Susan Orlean. Um, and the first one was Blue Crush, the surfer girl movie starring Michelle Rodriguez and uh, Malin Ackerman. I had no I What <laughs> the hell is that book about? It's uh, I think it's based on a, a piece, a New Yorker piece about surfers, I would assume. Yes, it's called Life's Swell. Yeah. So I do like that she has two like film credits. It's Adaptation and Blue Crush. Both, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. pieces of cinema. Wow. Um, so she's batting a thousand. Yeah. We meet Chris Cooper, who is the titular orchid thief yeah. of the book. Yes. Um, and he's sort of a dirty Florida toothless swamp man. Swamp man, yeah. But, but also like has these like delusions of grandeur and thinks he's really smart. And he's not like a dumb hick. He's a little bit, there's more. He's like the homegrown philosopher type. That's like, yeah. Got a lot of theories about the world that he's developed from sitting in a greenhouse all day. Yeah. And like, if he had the technology earlier, he would be like Joe Rogan or something. (laughs) Aw, if only. (laughs) So he's also sort of a, um, they call him the orchid thief because he's a little bit of a criminal. He, like he uses these legal loopholes um, to go into the, to the like Everglades, the swamps of Florida with Seminoles uh, and, you know, they're native to that area. And so they're allowed to take yes. certain plants that would be considered illegal if, you know, a person not native to that area yes. took them. So he's like, and it's sort of, we see this all play out and it's sort of like, oh, he's a little bit of a criminal, but he's also smart enough to like know these legal loopholes and, um, and all this stuff. And then boom, we're back in LA where we, where we meet Donald, the fake yeah. brother who I think Nick Cage as Donald is my favorite character it, in the movie. I think he's very he's funny. So uh, like goofy. When people say, I love Donald, I get jealous because I don't remember playing Donald. 
I was so into the Charlie Kaufman headspace. Like he represents like the Hollywood kind of like, what if yeah they fall in love and there's an explosion and da 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 like very goofy. And he's also like means well yeah. and is like stupid yeah. and is like just adores his brother, even though his brother does nothing but like resent and hate him oh, the yeah. whole movie. Uh, uh, I was gonna say, he he's like designed to, spoiler alert, be killed in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get a lot of scenes of like Nick Cage on a sad date, um, you know, uh, Nick Cage is starting to, all right, so this is where I really, I wrote it, I wrote down in my notes, ask Reka about how realistic okay. this is, specifically, to you because Nick Cage starts yeah. to write and it's like that classic he's sitting down starting to type and then boom he thinks about muffins and he's like I, I can't concentrate because he cannot stop thinking about muffins Rika you're a writer muffins is a, is so, a big problem Baked as pastries. much as I want to say that this doesn't happen this is a pretty classic problem <laughs> where you're in the middle of writing on your typewriter because you didn't want a computer and you don't make mistakes. So you're writing in your typewriter and you're like, oh my God, fuck, what's that? And you look down at your stomach, you're like, oh, I really want a muffin right now. And maybe you ignore mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You get 10 pages in, you've got your, your first 10 and you're like, these are pretty, holy shit. I want a muffin. I still want a muffin, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Do I go bake them? Do I go buy them? Like this is stupid, this is stupid. I have pages to turn. That's interesting that there's that whole chapter in Save yeah. the Cat where they do talk about like how you need to ridge your craving of it's muffins. Crazy. The muffins are the bane. Yeah, of the save the cat, eat the muffin. Take the canola. <laughs> we have some more scenes with Meryl and Chris Cooper. I like this Chris Cooper performance too because he is he's great. He won an Oscar for this. You know, Meryl was great and Chris was great and you know, they got their Oscars, but um, cool. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> it's all good. They're, you know, they were brilliant in the movie, but uh, it was the most challenging thing I've ever done. He gets to play like a fun character. And I think normally he's like, I'm the stoic dad who like, I'll be proud of you, but at the end. Um, and here he gets to play, you know, he's just he, much mm -hmm. more rock and roll, you know? No teeth, swamp, yes. <laughs> swamp dude. Uh, you know, she, uh, Meryl, I'm just going to refer to like Meryl like by the yeah. actors' names for the most part here. Uh, Meryl is like meets Chris Cooper for the first time and we get just, it's just bouncing back and forth. I could go through every plot point, but it's just like, you know, Nick Cage blows it with a date. It's a lot of like Nick Cage blowing it and avoiding, you know, phone calls as they're trying to like. Is he trying to like information gather? He won't even like meet her. <laughs> he's like too paralyzed to meet her meanwhile donald is also yeah. writing a screenplay and which as dedicated members of cusack nation will know that we've already talked we've already made reference to adaptation on a different podcast because the very fir first podcast we did is okay. identity which we when we did that we were like this movie is exactly basically donald Kaufman's script <laughs> from adaptation. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> starring, and it came out the very next year. And, you know, the theory is Nick Cage saw this movie, or not Nick Cage, John Cusack saw this movie, heard Donald's pitch, and was just like, I don't know, it sort of sounds like a good idea. And then yeah, made Identity, that. which is 
It is. It's that movie. They all are Incredible. the same. Spoiler alert for identity. It's yeah. They're all in the mind of one guy. That's awesome. That's so funny. Also in this scene, Donald pitches pitching Charlie Kaufman the script. And then also in this scene is like, it probably had been shown before, but this is where I realized that he has one of those beds that people on Twitter are always like, don't have sex with a boy with this kind of a bed. And it's just like a mattress on the, like a mattress and a box spring on the floor. And it's like, you are a, you've been working, Charlie Kaufman work has been working in TV since the late eighties and then became a feature film writer. And I want to know, do you think this was a thing? Do you think Charlie was like, oh, I need to make this version of myself even more pathetic on in the movie? Or do you think he actually doesn't have... I think bed? he was making himself more pathetic, but I was like, ew. <laughs> it's just overboard for me, it's, you know? It's, it's, it's too much. I honestly think you can get more a more interesting thing out of if he had a normal nice house that a successful screenwriter like him would have not to say that like it's not the thing is like i have no issue if someone has a box spring and whatever on the ground if they like can't afford a bed that's what like, yeah. you're like choosing to have kind of uh this like i'm sad boy lifestyle and you're fucking rich shut up go to therapy yeah yeah if you're rich if you're rich, go to therapy. If you're rich, go to therapy. If you're rich, go to therapy, get a nice bed, or at least don't complain all the time about how like nobody wants to sleep with you or go on a date with you while you sweat and you're weird the whole time. I, I think about this a lot. Not to digress. Yeah. Do you think what, like... What do women want? What do women want? Yeah. <laughs> I watched that movie and Mel Gibson didn't teach me a goddamn thing. Damn, uh, do you think that rich people therapists are different than like normal people therapists? Do you think the rich people therapists are like, oh no, what you're doing is, you're, you've been union busting and you feel guilty about it? No, you're right to do that. Ugh, that's a great question. I do feel like just like rich people get warped, I feel like rich people therapists probably get warped where like they start normal, but then if they start seeing celebrity clientele, their, their goalposts are like moving a little bit. Yeah. Or, like, not that they're telling you because they don't therapists don't like give you advice necessarily, but they do try to help you see a situation clearly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like their goalposts have to move. We get, you know, much more scenes. We get a, uh, you know, a Judy Greer appearance. Uh, Never sad to see her in a movie. I'm always so excited. And can I say I she's so wonderful as a character actress. It was cool seeing her. It's just like doing just like a regular actor you know uh uh it's also yeah it's fun to like have a movie that acknowledges that she's very pretty and i think a lot of movies are just like look at this monster she's the ugly friend stunning (laughs) and uh her uh performance in that scene felt so real where you're just like being friendly and you're like and then a guy hits on you and immediately takes it there where you didn't think that that's what you were doing Mm -hmm. and then or you didn't, you, she wasn't doing anything, but you didn't think that's like what the vibe was. Right. And that immediate retreat, she's like, and then goes to tell another server. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's so real. <laughs> Absolutely, I've been there. Yeah. I'm talking to someone so that I can walk away. Yeah. Uh, can you take my table? Uh, 
I Very that well. scene was like that played out really perfectly, yes. and yes. her performance and his performance. And he like stopped short too, and he'd be like, "Oh, oh no. yeah," and like both of them just being like, "Oh no." Like uh, yes, because he invited her to a fucking flower show I and know. he like does it. <laughs> so great. So good. Um, and then we contrast that with Chris Cooper's developing relationship with Susan Orlean with Meryl Streep and they have, you know, some heart to hearts. Um, and he has a great line where he's just like, I think people hang out with me because they're lonely. And, you know, Meryl's sort of like, oh no, it's true. I am. It's true. Um, and then we get a scene uh to sort of show charlie's complete like lack of social grace or just his his social social anxiety um it's on the being john malkovich set and he's just you know watching something being filmed and we get the appearance of our boy cusack nation you're not gonna believe it miss it (laughs) don't go to the bathroom don't blink Yep, John Cusack walks through frame in his costuming from being John Malkovich, and it's very like, oh, he's playing himself, and it's like, there's there's Cusack, and it did make me like him more, knowing that he was willing to do that, and yeah, you know, and I did right. say like, I have no idea, maybe he got paid a billion dollars, but I think I feel like he probably just did it as a favor to like Charlie Kaufman sure. and Spike Jones, and I think that's pretty rad. Um, Donald shows up on set two and then immediately starts hitting on Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, he pitches an idea for his serial killer movie uh, called The Deconstructionist. <laughs> or no. Or Charlie says The Deconstructionist as a joke. And he's like, oh, okay. Can I use it anyway? And um, it's funny. It's funny. Just trust it's me. Funny. It's fucking funny, guys. Stop freaking the fuck out. Um, we get a, like, you know, some more classic running into your ex-girlfriend at a party scene. Um, more just like, look how pathetic Nick Cage is. Yeah. Nick Cage is Charlie. Okay. So Charlie Kaufman flies to New York to meet Susan Orlean, but he also goes to actually, do we need to include this like screenwriting seminar? Is it important? What do you think? And Logan Roy, Brian Cox plays mm-hmm. Robert McKee and basically plays Logan Roy. He's like a real hard ass about screenplay structure and was like, don't use voiceover. And I do remember learning that in college. So I found it funny to like hear it again. And also I watched this movie in college and maybe this is where I heard it. And then I'm like, this is where it's like too meta for me. I'm like, don't use voiceover. And then of course there's Nick Cage's voiceover yeah. everywhere in this movie. Yeah. Whatever. It's a little, yeah, it's a little like, all right. Yes. We get it. And he also does say, (laughs) this joke I actually did think was funny. He says, don't you dare fucking use a deus ex machina, Uh which of course, you know, saves the day at the end, Yeah, which that does make me laugh in retrospect. Some of the, but actually, is that one of those jokes? It's just like, that's, that's funny, but it's like, it's all like, not too clever because I'm not sure it's even that clever, but yes, it's a little yeah I don't know. Um, Donald sells his script for the three for six figures, mm-hmm. um, which I liked, and is like best friends with Catherine Keener now. Yes, <laughs> playing herself. Yes, um, and so while Charlie Charlie invites Donald to New York City, and um, because he like you know. He's sort of softening up to Donald. He's like, would you come read my script? Give me advice. Donald like sort of gives him good advice. Um, And then we get a scene where Donald 
is pretending to be Charlie so he can go meet Susan Orlean because Charlie's too scared to do it himself. And we yeah. get a very funny, like Donald pretending to be Charlie and like Nick Cage doing, you know, asking Susan Orlean all these questions. Yeah. And it's clear she's like not super into it. Yes. And he's being charming and funny. I really liked the Donald performance. I know, it's good. When people say, I love Donald, I get jealous. So this is sort of the turn of the movie where it's like stops being sort of like a movie written by Charlie Kaufman and starts being a movie written by Donald Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they like start to spy on, you know, Donald's like, she's lying. Yeah. She didn't like feel truthful in this in this interview. Especially when they like who she would eat dinner with, and she's like Einstein and Jesus, and he's like, and he's, shit. everyone says Einstein yeah. and Jesus. It's a classic lie. Yes. Um, and then she's, and then they're like, we have to follow her to Miami because they go to John LaRoche. That's the Chris Cooper character. Yeah. Um, they go to his porn site, which is like very funny because he like that character would like have would get on the internet and discover porn. Yeah. I really like that specific. Yeah. And Meryl is naked on the porn site. It's like, oh shit, she, there's more to their relationship than she let on. Um, and they follow, they follow her down. They, yeah, they follow her down to Miami. And then like, we immediately find out that like this orchid that they've been searching for, actually you can extract like a hallucinogenic drug from. That looks like matcha. Um, yeah, it looks like matcha, but you snort it like Coke. Yeah. <laughs> I Googled that. I was like, matcha, like uh, orchid powder or whatever. Cause I don't, is there a Can, drug that is a ghost? I actually didn't look. Is a ghost orchid real? Yes. Okay. I think the ghost orchid is real, yeah. but I think the drug thing is like fake. false. Yeah. Cool. But I didn't, I didn't research it. So that I'm just assuming. I hardly did. But yes, continue. Um, yeah, so they go down. Meryl, it turns out, she's like she's having this sexual relationship with Chris Cooper, and she's like addicted to this orchid drug. Um, doesn't like her husband anymore, and they like yeah. yeah. And I think this is probably where the real Susan Orlean was like, "Whoa, I <laughs> yeah. don't, I don't know about that." Um, she has to make it to page like seventy to. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Wow, this is really like not what I was ex Wait, what the, what the fuck? fuck? I'm snorting." coke <laughs> i'm sorting green coke yeah. so they're creeping around like laroche's house witnessing this and then she they like see him so laroche grabs nick cage as charlie and pulls him in the house and meryl starts freaking out and then i really love that like they're like what are you doing here why are you spying on us we have to kill him. I know. <laughs> that was like so crazy. I forgot. Like, I knew it was going to go somewhere. I totally forgot this movie. And I was like, what the fuck? You do not. And then the guy is naked. Chris Cooper is totally nude. Oh, and yeah. when he says, I'm the screenwriter or whatever, he's like, can you put me in the movie? Totally fucking yeah. naked. <laughs> Yeah, that was another running gag that he said throughout, the, like a couple yeah. times in the movie. He's like, "Wait, who's gonna play me? I think I should, I should play, play me. me." Actually, yeah, which is very funny. Um, but yeah, so now it's like a full thriller, yeah. and like Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper are bringing Charlie out to the swamp to kill him because they have to, because Meryl says so. And when Meryl says something, you fucking do it. Yeah. But they don't know that Donald is like hiding away in the back seat. I don't, like they don't even rescue. know he has a twin, right? They point, don't yeah. know. No one knows he has a twin. <laughs> Secret twin. Um, yeah. And I mean, 
So I think a lot of twins are pretty secretive. Yeah. Sometimes you'll know someone for like a full like year or two and they'll be like, yeah, my brother or yeah, my sister. And then you'll finally meet their sister. And it's like, whoa, yeah. you're so you're like a twin. I agree. I think, I think some people are more over about their college improv teams than having a twin. I think mm-hmm, that's an mm-hmm. illness. Did you have a college improv team? I, I, Hammercats was the one at my college, but I didn't, uh, I was a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you survived the um, NYU Hammercats to instant fame pipeline. Yeah, I decided not to be famous. <laughs> so the Kaufmans are out, you know, Donald sort of saves the day, but only for a little bit. And it's, it becomes this like sort of chase thing where Meryl and Cooper are like trudging through the swamp, swamp trying to find Charlie and, uh, and, and, and Donald. And then the brothers finally have like a real serious heart to heart. Yeah. And uh, and Donald, the, the the words that really that Donald says that really get to Charlie are you are what you love, not what loves you, mm-hmm. which. This is where I'm like, is that supposed to be a joke? Like, is it supposed to be like, oh, this is like the most maudlin Donald Kaufman esque shit? This is where I don't like meta stuff sometimes doesn't work for me because I'm like, I'm a very earnest person and I can take, take a meta joke, but it does require such a command over the thing that you are watching. So you'd have to be a real big Charlie Kaufman head to like yeah. understand whether that joke is meta or not to like, no, like, no, Charlie Kaufman would find that trite and stupid. So yeah. like, I thought it was real, but I don't know. Yeah, I, w- I thought it, well, I thought it was sincere at first too. And that's what my first reaction was just like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like I, did, I uh, disagreed with it, but on, but thinking it was a sincerely trying to be sweet yeah. and it doesn't even matter really. Cause it is, I think sort of sweet and the, 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 the relationship between the brothers, I do think despite all the meta shit, it works. And maybe that's just cause Nick Cage is like good. And I, maybe I have just a soft spot for him in general. Basically, we get a, you know, get a second chase scene. The bad guys are chasing the Kaufmans. They get into a car accident. Donald dies tragically, as yeah. we spoke about earlier. <laughs> this was, I did think this was pretty, it's not funny, but like he gets shot. Yeah. And then on the way to the, uh, the hospital, wherever the fuck Nick Cage is driving, they hit a pickup truck that only hits Donald's side of the car and he flies out of the passenger side window and dies. (laughs) It's very, yeah, it's very like Fast and the Furious. It's really crazy tonal. You're like, this is the same movie, okay. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that's like the whole thing is it just becomes point break. (laughs) You're like, it's just bananas. Yeah. Then the bad guys are still pursuing Charlie Kaufman. Uh, They finally corner him. And then a fucking deus ex machina saves the day. A fucking gator jumps up and kills Chris <laughs> Cooper, which I also yeah. thought that was very funny. Deus ex crocodile or alligator. Yeah, or... <laughs> gator ex machina. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then the cops arrest Meryl. Charlie returns home, weeps for Donald, finishes his screenplay, reconnects. It's just like in bam, 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 bam. And oh my God, yeah. That period was one hour maximum losing your twin brother. Let's go. Uh, and then it's just like, all right, now I'm going to reconnect with my ex-girlfriend. I finally kiss her for the first time and she loves me too. And then, um, 
it ends Wait, in like a, she was married or no sorry, she, 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 someone? Was, she was engaged or yeah she was with someone else but mm-hmm. then she like it's like oh i do love you mm-hmm. you know implying that they're it's gonna work out for them and then it ends like with the very you know meta dictate like he is dictating what we're seeing as he's writing it and like it's like the movie has caught up to the screenplay or the yeah the movie is caught up to the screenplay and then i did like that a movie about orchids ends on like daisies i was like wait that to me is too meta because i'm like if you're gonna go meta it has to be something like I don't know that the layman audience member is going to pay attention that those are daisies and this is like all about the orchid thief. Like, end on a fucking orchid. I don't know. Really just fucking sugar that up. I don't know. It should have just been like orchids or, you know, rats. Should have just ended. Oh should have just been like departed, like Scorsese, just like the rat, you know, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a beautiful time lapse of rats opening their mouths in the morning, closing them yeah. at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. A beautiful time lapse of like a rat king just writhing. Yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> mm, my favorite animal, the rat king. And that's uh that's adaptation. Yeah. Um uh let's get into some categories. Uh okay. all right. You know, this is a segment we do on the pod. Uh it's called Q Snack. It's where we sort of think back on the movie and try to decide what do you think Cusack in this movie is he a snack? Um, let me look up John Cusack in adaptation. Or sorry, in being in John, John Malkovich. Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, I've almost always found John Cusack to be a cutie, but look, ah, oh, I remember him. In being John Malkovich, the answer is no. Oh, I. Uh... He looks pretty gnarly in this movie. He, he, they do a real good job of like fucking him up. <laughs> yeah, like how do you make him look grody? He's such a cutie. Yeah, he did. A, they did a good job. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think not a snack. Not a snack. Wow. Imagine yeah. if your issue was like, wow, it took me hours of makeup to look bad. So uh, John Cusack has been quoted as there's only 10 movies I like. The rest I just see you know phase out so on this podcast we are trying to decide what those 10 are and we so we have 10 slots and we're just trying to fill them so far he's likes the what are the 10 he likes yeah so far we've we filled three i think we did being john malkovich maps to the stars and stand by me are like three movies he likes that he's like proud of oh Um, you mean movies he's been in that he's Yes, yes, movie his own movies. I thought it was like I like 10 movies. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, got it. I'm back on I'm back on IMDb. Do we think Do we think that adaptation's one of the 10 he likes? For- you know, I'm going to put that at 11. I'm going to say it just missed. What about uh, did you see High Fidelity? We haven't done that on the pod yet, so we'll get there. Oh, of the ones you've done. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're filling slots as we do the movies and we're like does this movie Got it get into no, the slot unless he's sick in the head i would say he probably doesn't consider this one of his movies because i would like, say that yeah yeah when you don't get a line in the movie or uh like even like a medium long shot i would say you're not in the movie <laughs> mm. that's that's i would have to disagree because i do consider myself in wolf of wall street and oh yeah yeah Davis. Sorry. i do think think i was in and in uh, boardwalk movies. empire and boardwalk and, uh... empire yes 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 so mm-hmm. um I, I that's we're gonna have to disagree and that's, okay, but that's you know agree to disagree right. and that's fine <laughs> um all right the next 
segment is a segment we do called Coffee, Tea, Me, uh, in honor of the woman who spoke those famous words in Working Girl, Joan Cusack. This is where we decide every movie, you know, every movie would be better with a little Joan Cusack. So if we had to recast a part in this movie with Joan Cusack, where where do you think she would fit best? The agent, Tilda Swinton. I was, yeah, Tilda Swinton, I think would be good. Uh, I think the Maggie Gyllenhaal character could be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are the two. I think she would be really funny as Robert McKee, the Brian Cox character, because she can funny. yell really well. And oh if my she god, was just her like yell is so good. Screaming in the cage. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really good. I mean, truly, most of the parts, but I mean, she could even be Chris Cooper's character. You know, like she could. Yeah. A fucking wily swamp woman. Yeah, I wonder if she, she's very Chicago, you know, she's yeah. very metropolitan. I don't know if I could see her as like a Florida. Okay, fair. Yeah, that's why I think Tilda Swinton for me. Tilda Swinton, and, yeah. And with more scenes. Yeah, I, yeah, well, if you get Joan Cusack, you beef that part up. Yeah, exactly. Now let's get into the trivia section. This is where I just read trivia on IMDb and you just sort of respond to it. Right. Nicolas Cage has said that during the filming of this movie, he ignored all of his acting instincts and played the part of Charlie Kaufman exactly as Spike Jones asked him to. He then received an Academy Award nomination for it. As Charlie or Donald? <laughs> Both, I think. He got double nommed? I think it's one nom for two parts. Honestly, I think you should get two different noms for that. They're really different characters. They are. They are. Like if Lindsay Lohan for The Parent Trap had only gotten it for Annie and not Haley, I think that's fucked. She did a lot of work. That's true. What about Lindsay Lohan for Freaky Friday? Do her and Jamie Lee Curtis share that nom since it's one character but two actors? This is an incredible fucking question. If Jamie Lee Curtis gets nominated for Freaky Friday, is she nominated for her portrayal of Lindsay Lohan's character? um in her own body mm-hmm. and if so doesn't Lindsay lohan deserve also some deserve. credit for establishing the character that then this is an important question i mean, this is like you know when your brain has never had a thought before and then it happens the first time the thought happens mm-hmm. this is the first time this has ever occurred to me mm-hmm. so like... we can spend a full like 45 minutes on this <laughs> I, yeah, that's when they got to give joint Oscars that are attached to the hip. Yeah, I think so. Oh, <laughs> conjoined Oscars. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. We, I guess we didn't, we needed one more minute on that. Yeah. We can save the other. Yeah, we'll save the other 44. Else. Yeah. <laughs> In his renowned speechwriter seminars, Robert McKee, who is again, another real person, now makes note that he is not against the use of voiceover, despite what Charlie Kaufman says. He, his point is voiceover narration must add to the story, not describe what's already being seen on screen. Otherwise, there's no reason for it, blah, 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 blah. But that's that's fun. He, he put, I agree with that. Yeah, he puts think, that in. I think you can use the same logic for flashbacks. I think flashbacks, when they just say the thing that already happened, are like so stupid. It should be, I think also as a comedy person, you want the flash, like you want to be like, the date went great. And then the flashback and the date was stupid and bad. But sometimes people will use flashbacks and it's like the date was bad. And then you see a thing that happened that was bad. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Although I do like the reverse of that. It's just like the date went great and then we just see it going great or something. Yeah, horrible. What a waste of my eyes. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Um, Nick Cage's brother, New York radio personality Mark Coppola, often stood in for one of the twins during filming. First of all, didn't know Nick Cage had a brother, did not know he was a New York radio personality, and now I'm desperate to... To listen. To listen. And I hope it's I hope I it's one of those just like all right, you know, long time listener, first time caller. I, I, I what the fuck are the Giants doing yeah, this yeah. season? Or like I, a zoo crew like Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. fart machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having submitted the screenplay for approval, Susan Orlean was strongly opposed to the making of the film. She ended up reluctantly approving its production and was ultimately very impressed with the final result. In 2012, she stated Reading the screenplay was a complete shock. My first reaction was absolutely not. They had to get my permission and I just said, no, are you kidding? This is going to ruin my career. Very wisely, they didn't pressure me. They told me that everyone else had agreed and that somehow, and that, and I somehow got emboldened. It was certainly scary to see the movie for the first time. It took me for a while to get over the idea that I had been insane to agree with it, but I love the movie now. Okay, I would argue that by everyone else signing to agree, you were pressured. <laughs> I, I I think that exactly is right. I mean, everyone else is doing it. I mean, that isn't so, that, that's classic peer pressure. Yeah, I, I would argue that. Yeah, it's like you know they knew well not to peer pressure me, but everyone agreed to do it, and that's ultimately why I yeah. decided. <laughs> <laughs> they told me that all the cool kids were doing it. Yeah, but they didn't pressure me. Script guru Robert McKee suggested that Brian Cox play him, which I think is gauche. I don't think you should be able to decide who gets to play you in a movie. Although if I, there was going to be a movie about me, might I suggest Brian Cox? I would also like Brian Cox to play me, interestingly. Yeah. I think if when they finally do do the Pod Cusack movie, it's it's sort of like a Nick Cage in this movie situation where Brian Cox is playing both you and me That's and can nice. get one of those double Oscars. Nice. Yeah. And your sister will be your stand in and your mm-hmm. brother will be my stand in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Brian Cox's brother will be Muff's stand in. <laughs> yeah. Muff is my cat, listeners, if you yeah. didn't know. The belly in Nick Cage's fat suit in this movie was stuffed with lentils. Didn't know he was wearing a fat suit. I didn't um, know he was wearing a fat suit either. Okay, sidebar. When Meryl Streep calls him fat like four times at the end, I'm like, he's fat? Yeah. Personally, like, don't, whatever, don't scream, whatever. But also, I was like, he is not fat. He's Hollywood fat. Yeah, which is like above a size double zero. He he looked like totally normal or not normal, yeah. like straight size. He's totally straight size. But actually, Reka, you live in Hollywood, so you would be able to say if he's Hollywood. Yes, fat or he's not. completely straight size. That man can shop easily. Yeah, I just thought it was weird bad. to point out. I'm like, it's weird it's, to harp on. Certainly, yeah, it's, it the, makes sense for him to be like, in my mind, I'm so fat. But when like someone else says it, it's like, wait, yeah, it's like, come on. I mean, I guess it's part of like Meryl. It was descending into madness, yeah. matcha madness, or whatever at the end. Matcha madness. <laughs> That's a screenplay I would read. Uh, every um, American matcha madness. Anyway, so his fat suit was stuffed with lentils. That's really um, because the beads they moved to simulate fat jiggling, I guess. Um, and Cage sweated so much that the lentils sprouted. What? Like, I guess they're. That's real. 
That's a fact on the IMDb trivia page, which who knows how reliable that is. But the lentil sprouted because of his sweat. I think that's really disgusting. <laughs> it certainly is not not disgusting. All right, that brings us to our last segment. This is a segment called Things I Like, Things I Hate, Things I Think Are Weird. Reka, what's one thing you like about this movie? I la- I do like, I mean, I did kind of like laugh at the end. It does get super fucking goofy and, and you know, kind of making fun of Hollywood in a way, mm-hmm. which is fun. I think the performances are fun from like, like Nick Cage's performance as Charlie, I don't really like. I, I bet I don't like the character of Charlie. Yes. It's hard. But Donald, very fun. Um, I think Meryl Streep is goofy as hell. Um, yeah, so the performances and then like the goofy ending. Um, yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think the performances are like the high point for sure. Yeah. Some of the meta-ness, you're right, it does get a little yeah much. And the Charlie Kaufman character is like, it's it's hard to spend that much time with him, but... I just find Nick Cage's Donald so endearing that it's, I really, I really enjoy the performances. And I also like the pace, the editing I think is really good. Cause it like moves. It's like going, going, going. No scene is like very long. Um, I really like that. Uh, Rico, what's one thing you hate about this movie? The madness. Uh, I don't need the voiceover joke and the like goofy little things for like screenwriting kids to jerk off to. I don't need that. Yeah, uh, I don't hate much about this movie, but there are some people who did hate this movie. I'm talking some of our favorite critics of film. Rex Reed from The Observer says, Adaptation gets an A for our audacity and a Z for like sleep, you know? Yeah, yeah, the sleep noise, yeah. Uh, Mike Clark from USA Today said, too smart to ignore, but a little too smugly superior to like. This could be a movie that ends up slapping its target audience in the face by shooting itself in the foot. It is pretty smug. It's very smug. It's very Hollywood, like, jerking itself off. Yes. Like, you guys are plebeian viewers if you like this dribble of, like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Which, the joke's on them because that's all that is made now and guess what fast furious fucking kicks ass listen sorry what's one thing you think is weird about this movie that's sort of a you know for this movie that's broad i did i guess find how quickly meryl and chris cooper's relationship like butted into like some pure raw sexual energy (laughs) like Mm -hmm. maybe a little weird but maybe that's also just like part of the farce like nature of it. Uh, so I'll say, um, I don't need the dream sequences of him fucking like a couple women. He just needs. Yeah. To- I definitely didn't need to see him masturbate that many times. For sure. Uh, I, I yeah. maybe even once I didn't need to see. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. once I think you'd need for the story, Reka. For the, yeah. For- to save the cat, jerk off. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree. I think that's very weird. Um, I think the fat thing is very weird. Yeah, uh, the fat was weird too, yeah. I think the daisies instead of orchids at the end is weird because why not just, you know, stick the landing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like in the classic, like weird sense, there's just like too much, I think, to put it. I mean, that's like Charlie yes. Kaufman's whole thing. Yeah, totally. Um, 
And that, my friends, is adaptation. Uh, Rekha, do you have any final thoughts about adaptation? I'm glad I gave it a second watch because um, I watched it once in college and I had kind of forgotten. I do think some people are like really up their own asses about this movie in a way that is almost like slightly antithetical because like the movie sort of makes fun of people who are up their own asses, but also is simultaneously up its own ass. So I don't really know. I mean, maybe the, maybe we're all part of adaptation in that way. We're all constantly, uh, you know, it, we're all the snake eating our own tail. We're all the gator eating Chris Cooper, yeah. <laughs> and with that, uh, this has been Pod Cusack. Reka, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Reka. Uh, let me just check what my handle is. <laughs> I think it's at Reka, Reka L. Shucker. Uh, R-E-K-H-A, L is Larry, S is Sam, H-A, N is Nancy, K-A-R. Uh, you can also go to my website, check out my videos. And I'm writing for Animaniac Season 3 and a show called Grand Crew that's coming out on NBC next year. And uh, I am Strick Bomb, you know, on Twitter. Please, you know, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. And John, as you know... We do this for you. We miss you. We love you. Stay safe. Bye, John.